Oh, well, all right, everybody, let's get back to our seats before you get too rowdy and want to call pizza in or something and have to have um, Adrian pay for it, you know. <laughs> Meat lovers, yeah. That would be cool if we just like, hey, one Sunday, you know what, we're just going to order pizza for everybody. That'd be cool. Uh, well, good morning, New Life Church. So good to see you guys. Everybody well? Everybody glad to be in God's house today? Who's ready for the Word of God? All right. Well, good. Let's get ready. Let's get our Bibles out, get our smartphones out or whatever you're using to access God's Word and turn to Luke chapter 10 today. New Testament, Luke chapter 10. And some of uh, these verses, um, a lot of these will be on the screen that you can follow along as well. Luke chapter 10, I'll let you get there. And uh, while you're turning there, just want to briefly say we're, we are uh, starting a new short series today called On Point. It's called On Point, and it's about living our life on point with God's will and purpose for our life. And so we're going to dive into uh, this text here in Luke 10 and look at how that affects us and applies to our life today and how we can gain some insight and instruction today to, uh, to serve God in a greater way. Let's, uh, let's bow our heads and pray over this word today. Father, we thank you so much for today. Thank you for all that you are doing in our church and in the lives of people. Thank you, God, we get to celebrate with so many today, those who are going public with their faith to get water baptized. We know that is not an easy thing to do sometimes, our, our fears, our nerves, and different things that go into that. But God, I pray that you would honor that in a special way here in a little while when we, when we go to do that. And now as we open your word, I pray you would speak to us. God, help us to understand it in a better way where we perhaps have had questions or doubts, maybe misunderstandings about you and church and what it is you really say to us from your word, that today it would be real. It would hit home. It would make sense that we would have that just that aha moment of, God, yeah, I get it today. I get it. We'll become greater. We'll become stronger. We'll love more. We'll just be more well-pleasing to you in the way we live our life. Just ask you to honor this time now as we break open your word, the bread of life, together in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. 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 Luke chapter 10, let me draw your attention down to verse 25. We're going to read... Um, I'm actually going to read from 25 through 37, and um, I'm going to have a few comments in between before we really get into the heart of this. But let's look at this, Luke 25, or excuse me, Luke 10, verse 25. It says, One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him question, asking him this question. And he said, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? In Matthew's gospel and Mark's gospel, the, the question comes across as, what is the most important commandment? In fact, probably most of our Bibles actually title this passage of text, the most important commandment. So he's saying, what is the most important commandment that you tell us to follow? And Jesus replies, he says, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? How do you interpret it? How do you understand it? Verse 27, the man answered, he said this, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. He said, do this and you will live. Do this and you will live. In Matthew and Mark's gospel, it, Jesus they write it in the way Jesus finishes that little conversation with he says the entire Old Testament law, the law of Moses and the prophets, they are based on these two commandments right here. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, strength and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so he's saying, if you do that, if you fulfill that, you live that, he said, really what you're doing, you're really living. He said, that is the point at which life takes off for you, life begins for you, and life carries on for you is in those two commandments. And, and it's based on the Ten Commandments, 
The Ten Commandments are first introduced in Exodus chapter 20. The timeline of that is God had just saved Israel from Egypt. He had just saved his people. He saved them. He delivered them, and he redeemed them. So the context of this conversation is pointed all the way back to the Ten Commandments of the time when God moved in his people's life in this earth where he saved them. They got saved in essence. They were delivered from bondage. They were bought back. They were redeemed by God. And so Jesus, knowing that, this man who asked this question understands that, and he's making it plain for the audience for us to understand of what is happening, what is going on in the context of this conversation. And so he's saying this, and he's saying, look, if you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, strength and mind, and you love your neighbor as yourself, that's when you really start to live. So that's when life really takes off for you. And, and he said it's summed up in those Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, the first four, are based on our relationship between us and God. The first four commandments are. The second, five through ten, they're based on the relationship between person to person. It's how God breaks them down, how we look at them. And so the first four deal with our relationship with God. Don't have any other gods before me, right? Don't have any idols. Don't misuse or take God's name in vain. And keep the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Relationship between man and God, between man and God. And God, they deal with God. So that, you see how the first commandment here in Luke 10, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Deal with those first four because it's a context of relationship between man and God. The second set, five through ten, based on relationship between man to man, person to person. What are they? Remember this, uh, excuse me, um, honor your father and your mother. The first, it's number five. Don't kill anybody. Don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness, and don't covet. All right? That's the second set. That's the second greatest commandment. And love your neighbor as yourself. Because if we really love people the way Jesus intends for us to do, then we're not going to do all those things to one another. All right? And so that's why love conquers. Love defeats evil. Love defeats hate. Love defeats sin because God is love. God, in essence, takes all of that through Christ Jesus. And so here in this conversation right here this man is having, Luke writes it, and the guy says, what's the most important commandment? Jesus said, hey, what do you think it is? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, yes, that is it. You got it. Do that, my friend. You live that way, you're going to really live life the way I want you to live it, the way I've called you to live it, the way I have designed you to live your life is, how, is what he's getting at. But he, he doesn't stop there. He goes on. The man says in verse 29, let's keep looking at it, and we're going we're gonna to break this down in a second. He said, the man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus. In other words, he got, a, he got smart aleck. Somebody else might say something else. He said, you got smart, Alec. And he said, and he asked Jesus, so who is my neighbor? Okay, like sometimes our kids do it. Well, who are you talking about then? (laughs) Well, let me tell you who I'm talking about. Jesus is good at telling stories. He did this a lot, called parables. And he said this. He said he replied with a story, verse 30. He says, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. He was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. Verse 31. He said, by chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side. And he passed him by. Then a temple assistant, a Levite, walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. And if the bill runs higher than, any, than what you have, 
then I'll pay you the next time I'm here. And then Jesus asked this, this religious guy this question. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? And the man replied, well, the one who showed him mercy. Not the one with titles, not the one with positions, not the one with clout. Just the one who showed him mercy. And the man replied, and Jesus said, well, yes, now go and do the same. So he sums up the first part of the question. What's the greatest commandment? What's the most important commandment? He answers. He said, yes, you do that, you'll live. And then he goes, well, who is, who is my neighbor for real? And Jesus tells the story, and the guy got the answer right. And he said, you got it now. Go and do the same. Check this statement out. Jesus didn't come to see how good we are at keeping the commandments. He came to be the living commandments in us. You see, if our approach to God is based on how good we can be in order to enter into heaven or be in good graces with God, so to speak, then we've got it all backwards. Because none of us could ever be good enough to be in good graces with God. That's why we need a Savior. God sent His Son, Jesus Christ. We just celebrated all of that last Sunday. And it really, it's a celebration every, every week, 52 weeks out of the year. We just make a big deal out of it on Easter because that's historically about the time frame it happened. And so it's a good time frame for us to remember and do all that. But it should propel us to look ahead and be passionate and committed about living the life that Christ has called us to live. And so, Jesus didn't come to see how good we could be at keeping the commandments. No, he came to be the living commandments in us because Scripture tells us, Jesus talks of himself and he says, I have come to fulfill the law. I have fulfilled it. I didn't come to do away with it. I came to fulfill it. And if you have me in your life, then the law has already by faith been fulfilled. And in other parts of the New Testament tells us that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places seated there with him by faith. So that's how God sees us in Christ. And so if we have Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in us, then these commandments have already been fulfilled by faith in us. And now it's up to us just to allow Christ to become big in us and us walk this out. Okay? And that's what the point of this is. It's a, it's a conversation. How do we live this saved life on earth? And, and, this, and Jesus says, lets us know it's broken down in two ways. You love the Lord your God with all of your heart and soul, strength and mind, and you love your neighbor as yourself. You do that, and you will really live. You do that, I'll welcome you one day into heaven. You do that, and you'll accomplish what I have for you on this earth. You do that, life is really happening to you and in you. That's what he's getting at. You see, life has a point. It has a purpose. It has a purpose. And the, and the beginning of that is called the starting point of life. And it doesn't just start when we're born or even when we're conceived, okay? That's, that's the natural side of life when we're conceived. But the spiritual side of life is when we become born again. John chapter 3 is a whole chapter that Jesus has a conversation with a man, a relig another religious guy talking to him about being born again, John 3, 16. Right? God so loved the world that he gave his one and his only son that whosoever believes in him, walk with him, trust in him, follow him, would not perish but have everlasting eternal life. And that whole chapter talks about salvation being born again. And that is the entry point. That is the beginning. That is the starting point to us really living our life on point with the way God has made us and called us to live. And so today's message in this series called On Point, is called the starting point. And the starting point begins with Jesus, and it carries on, it never gets away from Jesus, but it has to start somewhere, and it starts with Him. So let's look at these two commandments over these next few minutes. Everybody, everybody good? Everybody all right? Talk to me. All right, if you're new here, our church is, well, I like you to talk back to me, just, you know, don't be bad, don't be mean, but, you know. As Pastor Prentice says, you can be good, be bad, just don't be ugly, right? But let's look at this commandment one. There's two here. We're just going to look at these two, verse 27. The man said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, strength and mind. Let's look at those three things. Loving, loving God, the Lord our God, with all of our heart and soul, strength and mind. It's about identity. 
This whole thing is about identifying ourselves with whom we are in Christ. And the way God sees us and the way God has made us. And so, loving the Lord our God with our whole heart and soul. That is this. That is our affections. Loving the Lord our God with all of our affections. That is the passionate part of us that is expressed outwardly. And I know over time people have said religion is just supposed to be kept to yourself. Just be hush-hush about it. Don't talk about religion and don't talk about politics. Because that seems to be the hot topic and gets everybody up in an uproar, right? Across this whole world. It has been for a long time. Before we were ever thought of, uh, from our parents and grandparents, all this stuff was happening. People were mad about religion. People mad about politics. And they even got mad at Jesus because he, he wasn't religious and he wasn't political. But yet somehow he found a way to save the world. Our faith should lie and rest in Jesus. He has the answers. And you know what? And his Father, God the Father, knows when he's going to send him back one day. And it's, it could happen any moment. People have been talking about it. Paul talked about it and said, any nay now, it's going to happen. But I do believe it will. It's going to happen. Jesus will return. And he is going to come for those who love the Lord, our God, with all of our heart and soul strength and mind and we're lo found loving our neighbor as ourself our affections our passion the passionate part of us that is expressed outwardly that's one reason we sing together we come together and we sing together as a church body we're expressing outwardly man i love god and i want people around me to know that but i also want to be able to be encouraged and and inspired by those around me See, church was never intended to be a place to come and fake it till you make it. Church was about coming into a safe circle of community, of family, where we have our flaws, where we have our scars, where we have our wounds, where we have our setbacks and our besetting sins, and we're not called to, to judge one another in a sense to where we push everybody away, but in a sense where we draw everybody together to help one another overcome the life that we live in in Christ Jesus, together. And so he says, love him with all of our heart and soul, our affections, the passionate part of us that's expressed outwardly. I believe water baptism is one of those, it's the, really the first act of worship that is expressed outwardly after being born again, after being saved. And we're going to get to do that here in a little bit at the end of our service, that several people have said yes to Jesus Christ. They want to love him with their whole heart, soul, and uh, whole, whole heart and soul, strength and mind, and everything in them, and they're going public with their faith. And let's look at this scripture, Romans chapter six. It's on the screen for time's sake. Look, listen. To this it says, Paul's the writer here, and he says, "Have you forgotten that when you were that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined Him in His death, for we died." And we were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we may also live new lives. Water baptism, this whole thing, loving God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind, it's about identity. Baptism, heart and soul, it's about identifying ourselves with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Christ died, Christ was buried, but Christ was resurrected. And because of the resurrection, then we have hope. Our sins can be forgiven, our future can be secure, and our destiny is there for us to live. And so identifying with, with Christ in this, our heart and soul, it's identifying with his death, his burial, and his resurrection. You see, when you go into the water, you're standing there, and you're saying, I no longer live, as Paul wrote to the Galatians in Galatians 2. He said, I no longer live, but the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. Christ Jesus lives in me. He says, the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And he said, I've been crucified with Christ meaning I have died to myself, 
I'm no longer going to go and lead the, live the life that whatever I want to do just on my own without first consulting the one who made me, who created me, and who came and saved me, gave his life for me. And so we die to ourselves, and then we're buried. We go into the water. It's a sign of burial. Dying to our old life, burying our old lives. Corinthians 5.17 tells us that anyone who is in Christ is a new creature, a new creation. The old life is gone. It's dead. It's buried. And behold, new life has come. You bury your life in Him. Your past, your sin, everything. And then you come out of the water signifying resurrection. That, hey, now I may live this new life. And so... When he tells us, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and soul, it's, your, it's, it's right here. It's, it's your affection. It's your passion. It, but it's not meant to just be kept inside. It's an outward act. It's an outward display of what God has done on the inside. But then he says this. He says, love the Lord your God with all of your strength. All of your strength, that is, that is might, that is an internal fortitude, or what is also called spiritual strength. Spiritual strength, love the Lord your God with all of your spiritual strength, your spiritual might. It's identifying ourselves with the authority that is in Christ Jesus. You see, when you get saved, you get born again, God doesn't just save you, forgive you of your sins. That's awesome. That, that's wonderful to have a clean slate, man, to not have any of that stuff held against you in God's eyes anymore. Powerful. Powerful. But that's not all that happened in Christ. He then has authority, dominion, power, strength, and might that he transfers to us and gives us as we live in him then he gives us the authority that we need to walk on this earth and so we can be strong in our faith we can have spiritual strength God expects us to walk strong I know we might well I just don't have the strength you've got man I don't have the strength they've got look at them man I can't do what they're doing I can't live like that yes you can you can live as a more than conqueror. You can live as an overcomer in Christ Jesus because that is how you've been saved. That is who you are in God's eyes. And God equips you. God empowers you to be able to do that. You don't have to live weak and torn down and broke down and overtaken and live defeated by the, the, the ransack of sin and depression and everything else that gets piled on you. Now you can live free. God didn't just come to save you. He also came to deliver you. Man, you don't have to live in bondage. You don't have to live shackled to the sin of chains any longer. You can be free to be who God has created you to be in the image and likeness of God himself. You can live that way. And it's possible only through Jesus Christ. So when they're having this conversation and we're talking about it, love the Lord your God with all of your strength, that God says, man, love me with every fiber in your being. Love me with everything in you, your might, your spiritual strength. How can we get stronger? Let's look at this text, Ephesians 6. There's obviously so many more texts of scriptures we could talk about, but I chose this one, Ephesians 6. Verse 10, uh, the Apostle Paul again writing to the church at Ephesus, to the believers there. He tells them, hey, a final word. If it's a final word, that must mean, hey, pay attention. He says, be strong. He didn't say, if you think about it, if you happen to want to someday. He, just, he says, no, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, again reminding, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, meaning you're going to go through some stuff. Jesus even told his disciples in John, he said, you're going to go through some stuff, 
And it's going to feel like forever before, any, before I ever come back. But I promise you, I will be back. But just take heart. I have already overcome the world. And you can go in peace and confidence and faith knowing that. And so we see this. Then after the battle, you will, st- you will still be standing Firm. So you go into the battle standing firm, and it says after the battle, putting on all of God's armor, you will still be standing firm. This is, this is something that we have to make ourselves do. We don't just wake up and go about our day automatically clothed in the armor of God. Now, it's not a physical clothing. It's a spiritual frame of mind. Okay, it's a belief system based on God's word. So if it's based on God's word, that means it's true. Even though a lot of people don't like that, don't believe that. But you talk to everybody who believes it, who really believes it. I'm talking really believes it. I'm talking really believes it. Not Christian in name only. Christian in love and devotion and affection and and lifestyle and bearing fruit thereof, right? That kind of believer, the kind of believer who believes this stuff, that when hell's chasing them, they turn around and stop running and they say, I will no longer allow you to roll over me, steamroll over me, ransack me, beset me, and take me back. No, I will stand firm because I believe this stuff. This ain't a joke to me. This ain't a game to me. This isn't some problem. Price is right, family feud on the TV show with Steve Harvey and anybody else. No, this is for real. This is my life. This is what I'm called to be. And I will not be overtaken. I will live my life for Christ Jesus. I will not be defeated. My kids will not go down a dirt road and be broke and poor and overtaken by sin. No, they will rise up and call me blessed. They will rise up loving God. They will rise up believing everything I said about God. And they will live a more than overcoming life because I believe this thing. That's the kind of believer that Paul's talking about right here. He says, if you believe this, put on his armor and you will still be standing firm. It doesn't mean you won't go through some stuff, but when you go through some stuff and you fight battles, you won't be taken down. Oh, you're going to have some chinks in your armor, some kinks in your armor, some cuts in your armor. You're going to be bloody, you're going to be bruised, and you're going to feel worn out, but you're still going to be standing firm. Even at 70 years old, you're still going to be standing firm. Your wife dies of cancer, and you're still going to be standing firm. Right? That's no joke. Ten years ago, it happened. Ten years later, you're here. Ten years later, you're here. You didn't quit on God. You didn't complain and run out on the church. You didn't shake your fist at heaven and say, how dare you? But you said, yet will I praise the Lord because I know who I am and I know where she is and I will go to be with her again. Talk to him about it sometime. Powerful. He's got a story. This whole month is just full of stories. I'm excited about the whole month of April. We got baptisms here in a few minutes. We got testimonies. You're going to hear more over the next several weeks, like you heard earlier on the video. People who are experiencing the life and power of God, how the church has helped. That's exciting. We're going to be launching a new thing called Team Days. It's exciting. We're going to help you grow in your faith, grow in relationships with each other, grow in your relationship with God, grow in your strengths to better serve the Lord with the way He's called you to do it. We're celebrating one year as New Life Church. It's exciting. This is an exciting month. It's awesome. And God calls us, hey, love me with all of your strengths. Put on the belt of truth. Let that balance you out. You got all kind of gurus out there think they know everything. 
And if it's not founded on the Word, it doesn't continue in the Word, then it doesn't need to get into your ears and make you believe that's how you should live. No, live by this, and you won't be disappointed. Now, I'm not painting a picture that life is always pretty and doesn't have ugly moments in it. No, it has some scratches and it's marred and you will go through some torrential downpours of life, but the promise is you will never be left alone. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. Amen? You'll never be left alone and you will always come out on the other side. Oh, it hurts. It's scary to go through those kinds of seasons. But the guarantee, the promise is if we'll remain faithful and steadfast, loyal to God, loving Him with all of our strength, we're going to get through it. And then he says this. He says, love the Lord your God with all of your mind. Heart, soul, strength, and our mind. It's our thoughts. It's, a, it's the internal perception that we have. It's identifying with the mind of Christ. You see, in Him we get the total package. In God we get the total package. He doesn't just save us and leave us. He saves us and fills us. He saves us and fills us and empowers us and trains us and puts the right things in us if we will allow Him to through the local church, through the body of Christ, and we can live this life He's called us to live. Love the Lord your God with all of your mind, your thoughts. It's the inner perception. Identifying yourself with the mind of Christ. Let's look at this scripture, Philippians 4 8. Again, the Apostle Paul writes, and he says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, say, That's me. Say, One final thing. There it is again, a final thought. Fix your thoughts. Not when you think about it, not when you feel like it, not when everything is going your way. But fix your thoughts on what is true. Don't focus on what is false. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Whatever we worship, we think about the most. Whatever it is you and I worship, that's what we think about the most. Whatever, so whenever we think about God, wherever we are or whatever we are doing, it says to God from our mind, to Him, I love you, I want to know you, I want to be with you. The Lord says, love me with all of your mind. Love me with everything up here. Your perception of me has to be accurate. You got to get to know me. You got to have spend some time with me. You got to become intimate with me. I want to walk with you through this life. It's 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 not a sprint. It's a marathon. And you said, pace yourself and let me walk with you. You walk with me. That's how it started in the Garden of Eden in Genesis two three. God was walking with man in the cool of the day. Relationship. Get to know me in here too, so fix your thoughts. Make yourself think on what is true. There's so many false things out there. There's so many things out there bidding for our attention and wanting us to believe. There's so much hype and there's so much junk in this world today because of media, social media, the internet, and all these things are so fast-paced and fast-moving that we're linked immediately with all the way around the world. And really, the sad part is, we don't know what to believe is real and true out there. Unless you're there, unless you're with it, it's hard to believe it. But there is one thing we can count on, and that is God and His Word. Solid, solid. And so, let's fix our thoughts on what is true. Make yourself believe all this stuff that I've been talking about. Tell yourself, tell your mind, think on this stuff. How do you think about it more and more? Well, one, you have to, you have to read it. Nobody else is going to do it for you, all right? If you really want to grow in it, you really want to have it, and you really want to walk in it, then you, you've got to pay the price. Relationships are sacrificial. Jesus showed us that his sacrifice 
And the good news is we don't have to, we can't earn it, we can't pay for it. It's freely given to us. But then we have a responsibility. He says, hey, I'm, I, I, I save your soul. You're not going to go to hell. You're not going to spend eternity, which means that does not end. You're not going to spend eternity in hell. No, you can spend eternity with me in life because I've gone to prepare a place for you in my Father's house, and it has many rooms. It's so big. It's spacious. It's large and in charge. He said, I got all the stuff that I'm making for you and I'm preparing for you. One day I'm going to come back and claim you. I'm going to come back and get you, and I'm going to take you home. None of us know when that's going to be, right? But he said, on this earth, you will have troubles, but take heart, I've overcome the world, and I, and I put everything in front of you. To, to, it's for your, yours for the taking. If you'll just take it, put it in your life, and it'll work. But, oh, I'll, I have to lead it. I have to be the one in charge because I know what's right for you, and I know what's best for you. So love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, strength and mind, internal, your mind, your thoughts, your perception. Fix your thoughts on what is true. Man, I don't know about you, but I hate it when I get negative thoughts come into my mind. I, I hate it when I get thoughts that are just not good. I get, I get thoughts that, man, I don't know where they come from sometimes. It's like out of left field. Anybody feel me on that? I get thoughts about people, and I'm like, God, I don't think that's right. The enemy trying to sow seeds of doubt or discord. And if we don't fix our thoughts on what is true, then we're going to be susceptible to those thoughts that the enemy tries to plant in our mind because he's clever that way. I wish he wasn't that clever, but let me tell you, he's not smarter than God. And he's not smarter than the mind of Christ that believers have. But like our brain, we're given a brain born. It's up to us on what we put into it that will develop it. And if you will feed yourself, your mind, with this, the Word of God, God promises that your life will be changed. You will not be the same. You will not stay the same. But you've got to fix your thoughts on what is true, what is right. And not, not in some religious way where you just can can spout out some scriptures and say a few things that make people, make you kind of get by, make people believe good about you. No, let it work in you. Because see, when, when God's word is alive in you, the Bible calls it sharper than a two-edged sword. And it cuts and it divides and it separates the good from the bad in our life. That's how we begin to break away from the stuff we don't need. I'll talk about that next week. But today is the starting point. Love him with all of that. Now, those who are going to be baptized, I need to throw a quick break in here as I wrap up. If you're being baptized today, go ahead. and You've been given instructions to so go get yourself ready. Don't take 30 minutes because we won't be here when you come back. <laughs> the restaurants are calling. Go get yourself ready and come, come straight back. And I want to just draw your attention to the final part of this story, final part of this conversation. What is the most important commandment? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and soul, strength and mind. Capital A, and love your neighbor as yourself. Because see, here is the flip side of this. If we say we love God, then it's going to affect the way we treat people. And the way we are with people. The way we are as people to people, right? And so... Jesus is saying, look, if you'll do these two commandments, if you'll just live that, concentrate on that. Don't, don't get so caught up in trying to dot your I's, cross your T's, 
and put the periods and the commas in the right places in your life. Don't worry. Don't get caught up in that. I'll take care of that. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your helper. He said, he'll work all that stuff. You devote your heart and soul, your strength, your mind, to just loving me. I'm going to help you figure it out. I'm going to give you guiding points. I'm going to give you a path in which to walk. And I'll give you the strength, the wisdom, the ability to actually walk it out and fulfill it. So don't get so caught up on the semantics of being spiritual. Devote yourself to what is spiritual, and that is just loving me. And he said, and that proof will be evident in your love for other people. And so Jesus then tells him that story, the parable of the good Samaritan. See, the first two guys who walked up on the man who was injured, who was in need of help, who was in need of service, who was in need of love, they were religious by title. And they looked at him. Man, I'm going to be praying for you. I hope you get what you need. And they just carried on. I don't even know if they said that. They just looked at him and then went back to the other side of the road and went on. But it was a Samaritan, an outcast, really, of society, whom Jesus highlights and spotlights and said, that is the real neighbor because he showed mercy. And three things stick out in this story, in these verses we read earlier. Three things. How do we know if we're loving our neighbor? One, like the Samaritan, we show up. We simply are present. And when we're present, when we show up, the compassion of Christ overflows and spills out of us. We have compassion on others. We see that we're not the only one in this world. We see that really we don't, we're not the only ones with problems. We're not the only ones with issues. Everybody's got issues. All God's children got issues. And I know it's ironic, but he uses people. God uses imperfect people to help people know a perfect God. I get, it, I, it makes no stinking sense why you would have somebody like me stand up in front of a group like you and preach to you and tell you, and you actually listen. I don't get that. But it's the way God lines it out, lays it out. And he says, look, show up. That's what this Samaritan did. He showed up and he had compassion. If we're going to love our neighbor, we got to show up. we got to be willing to be present in people's lives. Not Christian in name only, but Christian in deed also. Amen? Your children are coming back from class because they're going to watch the baptisms. Let them get to you and How do we know we're loving our neighbor? We show up. But the second thing that's here is this. The Samaritan got involved. He got involved. He, he took care of the one who needed help. So how do we know we're fulfilling this most important commandment? Not by just coming to church, but when we show up and we get involved in other people's lives and we help take care of people. 
But then the third thing is, how do we know we're loving our neighbor? This Samaritan, he was committed. He was committed. Listen to me. I know it's a little loud with footsteps around. But listen, as a wrap up, we've got to get this. How do we know we're loving our neighbor? We're committed to people. We're committed to helping other people find their way to God and find their way in the Lord. Because somebody around us has helped us and people are always circling around us in different ways to help us. And Jesus says, look, you can lo love me with everything but, and, 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 not a but, but and. Love your neighbor as yourself. Show up, get involved, be committed. At New Life Church, I want to tell you there's two doorways, opportunities that lead to multiple opportunities for us to express this kind of love to people. One, it's easy to connect here. We have these things called connect cards, volunteer cards. It's front and back. And on the back of the list, there, there, are, there are over 10 ways that you and I can express the love of Jesus to people inside and outside of our church on a regular basis. And we're going to be highlighting more of these this month. But I want to draw your attention to this that God calls all people who are born again to love their neighbor as their self, to express his love, show up, be involved, and be committed. And I want to challenge you, if you're not involved in some capacity to serve other people, to express the love of Jesus in the church and outside of the church in some way, I'm challenging you to get a card, get this volunteer card. They're at the connect table there at the back. Take it, fill it out, and turn it in. And then the second opportunity is this. The last Saturday of the month, April 23rd, we're hosting our first team day. It's a way where you're going to come together with all of our ministry teams, and we're going to begin to dig deeper into learning how we can become greater leaders in the kingdom and stronger followers of Jesus Christ together as a church. So we make it give you the opportunity that you have to say no, you have to decline. But if you want to follow Christ and be faithfully committed to Him, it's not just you loving Him, but it's also you loving your neighbor. And as a church, it's our responsibility to help foster that, develop that, teach that, model that, and empower each other to actually do that that it's safe to stay in the confines of four walls and say we love the Lord our God with all of our heart and soul, strength and mind and never go into the community and do anything. But see, that's when we get challenged. Or it's safe to say we just come to a service and that's all we ever do. Because there's more to this life than just sitting here in a church service in God's eyes. It's about being committed to loving our neighbor as ourself. So in, in, in closing, I just want to tell you this before we baptize today. I don't know where some of you might be today in your journey, your faith with God, connected, disconnected, close, far apart. But I want to tell you this, your identity is in Jesus. Who you really are is in Jesus. You want to find out who you are and what you're made of and what is inside of you? You get it when you're connected with Jesus. Not the religious Jesus. There's no such thing. People have done that. But the real Jesus. The real Jesus. Your identity is in Him. You identify with Him in His death, burial, and resurrection. A new life. You identify Him in the authority that He gives you, the strength and you identify with him in the mind of Christ, your thought life, the way you think. It'll change your life. And it'll set you up to living a life that is real. Because verse 28 of that whole story is this. Jesus says, do those two commandments and you will live. Friend, 
If those two things aren't happening in your life, then you don't know what life is all about. If those two things aren't happening in you, loving the Lord your God with your heart and soul, strength and mind, and loving other people as yourself, you're not truly living the life that you were born to live. Let's bow our heads. God, I went long again. I try not to do that. Father, we're here today. Hearers of your word. And God, I don't know where everybody is in relationship to you. But I know one thing, we're here. Whatever got us here, we're here. And so today I ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you would help us to understand what we just heard and let it be real in each of us. Today with heads bowed, eyes closed, if there's people here today, if you know in your own heart, man, you're disconnected from God, you, you're not truly connected with Him, but you believe he, that's what He wants for you, to have a life where you know forgiveness of sin, security of eternity, and a life where you can begin to live your purpose for which you were born for in Christ. And you're not. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. Heads are bowed. I just want to pray for you right here. If that's you and you want to say, yes, I want that. And that's not me right now, but I want that. Or if you're here today and you, you are connected, you know you have a relationship with Christ, but you feel like you're in a place of doubt, a place of, I don't really know. I'm unsure about a lot of things right now. But I would like to acknowledge that, man, I want to grow in that. I want to move in that. Then lift your hand so I can pray for you. All right, I see those hands. All right. Let me pray for these folks today. God, thank you for every life that's here and every hand that's raised. Every head bowed and every heart that's humbled before you right now. I pray that the revelation of Jesus Christ would grow stronger and stronger and stronger in each of us. That the revelation of the love that you have for us would grow and overtake us, overwhelm us to where our life is truly hidden in you. And that Jesus would be all that matters, loving you with all of our heart and soul, strength and mind, and loving other people as ourselves. Help us to grow in that, walk in that, put the right people in our life, put the right people around us so that we can have the right kind of relationships we need in order to grow and become stronger in the things of you. We love you and I thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen.